You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast, and this is a special episode because it's our 400th episode ever of the Strong Towns podcast, which I think is kind of exciting. That's insane. Um, yeah. I remember back to like the very early days, um, there's a friend of mine uh, named Liz, uh, who I did some work with here in, in Minnesota, and this is the very early days of Strong Towns, and we were kind of, I remember sitting and just astounded by how the message was kind of growing here in the state. And I told her, I said, I was thinking about doing a podcast. And she said, oh, that that sounds really interesting. Just please tell me it won't just be you talking. Uh I'm like, well, that's actually what I was thinking. (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah. It grew beyond that. It did grow beyond that, thankfully. Um, And, uh, you know, I listened back to like some of the early ones occasionally and, uh, you know, the sound quality drives me nuts. And someone told me last week, um, actually, Jared, one of our uh, Slack guys at Jared was at my event last week. And he said, um, if he wasn't so committed to the content, the sound quality of those early ones would drive you nuts. But he said the, quality, <laughs> the content was good enough to, to justify it. But hopefully we've gotten better on both accounts. Definitely. So let's talk about that event last week. You were in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, which I have to admit I had not heard of until we were started planning this event. Um, and you did some walking tours and a curbside chat. How did those go? It was fantastic. It was a very like full day. I mean, I think they scheduled like five minutes between things <laughs> over the wow. course of the day. So yeah, it was crazy. Uh, we started out with a staff meeting and I have to say, uh, right off the With, bat, like city staff. Yeah, they, they had a they have a neighborhood committee that that works on, I would just say it like fine grained detailed neighborhood issues, and we sat, I sat down with this committee right off the bat in the morning, and I knew I was going to love this place because the person sitting to my right was the assistant fire chief. And as we talked, he was completely on board and not only was on board, but kind of led a lot of the conversation in ways that I thought were really helpful. So, yeah, it's it's interesting because sometimes you run across local governments that are organized and, and just have a kind of orientation that is really positive. And then other times you run across them where it's just like a diseased group. I mean, like this is just bad. And you realize that some of it is organization. I mean, some of it is the way you structure your departments and the way you, uh, you know, have people structurally like interact with each other, the way you assign projects and and how they're done. But a lot of it is just the quality of the people. And I I find that when, uh, you know, these cities bring in uh, when, when city councils are confident in hiring good people and then giving them kind of the autonomy to think and in a sense, you know, try things out and make some mistakes and, and figure things out on the fly. You get staffs that are really, really good. And when you have a, a kind of a disease city council where they're very defensive and sniping and, and, you know, political, I mean, maybe we could say, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they oftentimes will hire people who are not going to challenge them, not as bright as them, not as, uh, you know, not going to push them. And it's a comfort level thing. I, I see it here in my hometown. I mean, I, I, I'm on the planning commission now. I work with the staff a lot more. Uh, all of my, you know, all of my impressions of this city have been kind of affirmed by this. And I mean, they're nice people. I like them. Uh, but you know, they've all been chosen and essentially drilled into them that you will not challenge the the leadership. And it, it, it Hmm. gives a totally different vibe. So Mount Pleasant had this great vibe. Like you have an idea, let's hear it. Uh, you know, nothing's going to challenge us. Let's just talk about it. And, you know, nothing's going to make us feel bad. So the whole day was a lot like that. Uh, I met two two meetings, one with a smaller group, one with a larger group of staff, uh, including, you know, commission members and and elected officials. We did a couple walking tours. Uh, We started off on a nasty strode. Mm -hmm. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, I've said everything good I can say about this place and then everything bad I can, you know, help you try to see Let's go someplace else. <laughs> so we, we added in a little neighborhood stop, and then we went to the downtown, which was where our final destination was. And I think those were really helpful. I, I, I feel like the news coverage wasn't great because they just pick up on, like, the two challenging things you say, take the quote out of context without, you know, hours of background. Right. Um, but, you know, for the people out there, uh, the the questions, the nuanced conversation, the level of detail we were able to get into was really fantastic. I I, I was jazzed by this whole thing. I thought this was a great staff and a great town, and, and I thought these guys are moving in the right direction. Well, the Midwest event tour continues this week with two more uh, events, one in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and then Omaha, Nebraska, another busy week. Um, any thoughts about those those events? I had a Facebook friend of mine home for uh, the Easter weekend, and he, he, he took a picture of and sent me a, a photo in Eau Claire advertising. There's a big picture of me, and it's like, hey, you know, Ooh. it looks like you're coming here next week. Yeah, so nice. um, obviously I know Eau Claire. I, I know Omaha, too. I've been to both uh, with Strong Towns, so this will be a, a return trip in both cases. Uh, I'm very excited. Th- these are... Yeah, when we first started out, this was a central Minnesota thing, and then it was a Minnesota thing, and then it was a Midwest thing, and then it became a national and then an international thing. And it, it, each step has kind of been one of these like incremental, okay, uh, how, you know, how much does this message resonate in, in this place? So to get back to kind of the, the, the earlier days, the core of, of cities that I'm really, really familiar with is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. these are, these are people that I have like, no, you know, I, not saying that there's like a huge cultural gap, but when I go to the West coast, when I go to the East coast, when I go to the deep South, um, you know, I'm in a place where, uh, essentially I do a, uh, try to do a lot of listening, um, mm-hmm. because just like culturally they're, they're, they're different places. I mean, I realize we're all the U S and media's kind of homogenized our cultural outlooks to an extent, but mm-hmm. you know, these places are different. And in the Midwest, uh, you know, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, Nebraska, Iowa, I always find that, you know, I, the, the things that I know and understand, uh, the cultural understandings I have are very similar. Yeah. It's kind of 
interesting to me that this year, for some reason, most of your events are in the Midwest. And uh, in previous years, it'll be like you're in Canada, and then you're in Florida, and then you're in Texas. And this year, it's like Michigan, Oklahoma, Illinois, Ohio. Um, and yeah, I think that's just kind of random how, how the deck was dealt. But um, yeah, it's cool that you're able to speak to you know, your crew a little bit. Well, we're about to add Calgary to the to the list. Oh, okay, cool. And um, I am aware, I'm keenly aware of, because uh, I get the updates from Michelle, um, I'm keenly aware of some West Coast stuff, some Florida stuff. In uh, the works. Some, some Northeast and even nation's capital kind of thing. So I, I think that, you know, statistically speaking, we've probably just hit one of those runs where you, you know, uh, hit seven so many times in a row. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll be out of the. It looks like by the time we get to mid late summer and fall, uh, we will be out of the Midwest and and back to the far flung frequent flyer miles. You've it's, almost been to every state in the United States at this point, right? Um, I've been to. I have personally visited every state except for Alaska and Hawaii. Oh, um, okay, all right. Yeah, uh, for strong towns, I want to say. Uh, I, I, I think there was at one point only like five, four or five left. I haven't looked at it lately and I, I don't really remember, but we've been almost every one. Yeah. I, I, I think That's like exciting. Virginia and West Virginia are two we haven't been to. Have you um, done like Delaware and Rhode Island and stuff? Uh, Rhode Island. Yes. Delaware. Oh, no. Okay. Um, Connecticut. No. Um, oh, okay. But like um, yeah, I, you're jogging my memory. Those are four that were left. Uh, Nevada and Arizona, no. Okay. Um, I'm but, sure those will know, happen soon. Yeah, and I, I think that's it because it's pretty much been everywhere else. Now, we have members in all those places. so Yes, we do. Yeah, which is sweet. So tell me about the article you wrote for today, Cargo Cult Planning. And I'm curious about where, where the inspiration came. From this. Were you rereading? You started off by talking about a Jared Diamond book, The World Until Yesterday. Were you like recently reading it? Or, yeah, where did this come from? No, I, there were really two things that I experienced last week. Um, and they, they kind of intersected with me. And, I, you know, this is one of those pieces where like, we had a big family day yesterday and then we all watched a movie as a family. So I started this piece at like midnight and I'd been thinking about it for two days. But mm -hmm. I got into it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. <laughs> so I had a lot more things I wanted to say, but it was two in the morning and I couldn't keep my eyes open. So I had to wrap it up. Uh, but let me tell you what. So last week, first of all, we ran this article on, on Facebook about this city. And I, it's spelled Cairo as in Cairo, Egypt, but it's like Cairo. Yeah. Cairo, Illinois. Someone last week had published this basically photo essay of this small town and it was really compelling. It, it had a lot of great pictures. You got to the one of the downtown and of course there's the downtown. Um, hardly any buildings. With the buildings the beautiful that were there archway were, that says historic downtown Cairo. Yeah. The, the buildings that were there were in disrepair, but then you've got the decorative lights, the decorative brick and the, yeah, the wrought iron archway. And I have seen this so many times, like over and over and over again in places. And it, it, it's this notion that, okay, I went to a place. Uh, it was really great. I loved it. Um, they had benches and planters 
and they, you know, they had decorative lights and I liked all that. So let's put up benches, planners and decorative lights. And then our place will, you know, will be like that. Mm -hmm. I'll give you another example. And I I didn't put this in the the thing just because I didn't want to, I didn't want to open this can of worms, uh, but it's the same thing. You know, I've picked on Memphis before about their pyramid. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that we'll build this and we'll get a basketball team and then that will somehow, you know, make us this great place. And it, it, it is this it is this simplistic notion that, you know, when when we go and look at a place that we like, that we think is successful or we gaze across the country at, you know, the, the person or the place that's like one up, one rung up on the ladder than we are. What we often do, because we don't really understand all the complexity that went into that, is we'll do like the one or two takeaways that fit our worldview. So, mm-hmm. boy, I would really like a basketball team. I'm looking over at, you know, this other city. They've got a basketball team. If we just built this big pyramid-shaped stadium and went and got a basketball team, we would be as great as that city. I'm remembering back during our Shreveport campaign, one of the super pro highway uh, advocates was on their Facebook page, said something along the lines of, well, look at how many highways Dallas and Houston have. Don't we want to be as great as them? We need more highways. That's a perfect example of this. And it's, it, it's, it's interesting to me because the other thing I ran into last week was just this certainty. You know, uh, uh, just I saw this in all facets of all these conversations I have, and it it basically goes like this: It's like we're modern Americans, we're we have more technology, we have more education, we're you know post enlightenment, we're so much smarter than everybody who came before us, and so we're not possibly going to make the same mistakes as they did, or we're, you know we look back at history at them and say how dumb they were, and mm-hmm. and by implication how smart we are. And I, I just, you know, that Jared Diamond book, The World uh, Before Yesterday, was so humbling and so good in the sense that he went and looked at primitive cultures and said, you know, here's what really we can learn from them. And it, it was just this, I mean, it was just vast amount of knowledge. And yes, I mean, they don't do laser surgery in, you know, New Guinea. Um, they don't even do open heart surgery in New Guinea, right? I mean, you're, you're in a, a primitive culture. They will try to reset your foot if it breaks, but you might just have a broken foot the rest of your life. But uh, they grasp like simple things about the way the world works that just seem beyond us. So the, the whole idea of the cargo cult comes from World War II. It's this, you know, as we went in and built these runways and, and these islands, uh, we started handing out things to the the people that we met there. Uh, you know, we would give them food, we would give them clothing, we would give them things just, you know, in passing. And then when the war's over, we left. And, you know, the idea that from, from their point of view is, well, uh, when we had airplanes, when we had runways, when we had control towers and people marching around, uh, then, you know, all this stuff would appear and we'd have all this largesse. So the, all we need to do is replicate that. And for us, you know, as, as advanced people, we can look at the simplicity of that and say, you know, gosh, they didn't understand manufacturing and shipping and transport and all, you know, all the stuff that went into doing this, how simplistic. Yet when we step back and look at the small town, 
uh, or the big city that builds the stadium, you know, the small town that puts in the decorative lights and the red brick and then doesn't understand why their downtown doesn't boom and take off. It's the same thinking. It's the same exact like human flaw, mental flaw that gets you to that place. It's mm-hmm. just that the one we look at with a certain level of superiority and disdain and the other one we won't look at with superiority and disdain until we get, you know, 50 years into the future and look back on today and say, oh my gosh, those people were dumb. The same way that we look back at people 50 years ago and say, how in the world could they have built the highways like that and put urban renewal in and done all these really dumb things? Did you get a chance to read Nolan Gray's piece from last week? Uh, I scanned it. I, I, I saw the, uh, the headline and it was like, okay, this looks interesting. And mm-hmm. I scanned it a little bit, but I did not get into it. I did see the comments and it was interesting. Um, cause I get the comment feed. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I saw the comments and it was very interesting because a lot of people, um, first of all, the people, some people said this maybe is like too intellectual, which I found funny because yeah, a big percentage <laughs> of what we, what we, what we publish tends to, you know, we're not like a pop culture place. Um, but but then there was a lot of debate. So no, fill me in a little bit. I I think that uh, it obviously struck a chord with a lot of people. Yeah, I liked it. I came across it on um, the Market Urbanism blog and asked Nolan if we could republish it. It is definitely a little bit heady and academic, but I don't know. I liked it. It was kind of almost a manifesto, um, and it's certainly something that I'm sure some of our members will disagree with and did disagree with in the comments on Facebook and on the actual article. Um, but it's, yeah, I think it had a lot of value. And I mean, he called it towards a liberal approach to urban form, but that was definitely not liberal in the sense of, you know, the democratic political party. Um, it was liberal in the sense of classic liberal loose and not requiring a lot of rules and regulations and things like that. Um, yeah, so I like this piece. I highly recommend everyone give it a read. It's a little long, but worth it. Yeah, I'm going to be getting in there with Nolan and uh, a bunch of the market urbanism folks uh, in Georgia in June for, I think it's called FeeCon. Yeah, um, yeah, I saw that. They're like sponsoring your session or whatever. Yeah, I got invited to go speak at this thing. And, you know, I, I <laughs> it was one of those where like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure. Let, let me take a look at this. And Michelle and I were kind of chatting about it. And then I saw that it was a lot of these the market urbanism people, and yeah, ours uh, our tract is urbanism development in your neighborhood, mm-hmm. but it's a, a really a foundation for economic education. It really is, uh, I think, a good place for us and a good place for our message. So I'm going to be hanging out with those guys in in June, and I'm I'm kind of excited for that. It's I, I, I'm looking at it as like a meeting of some like minds and I'll bring my podcasting gear and hopefully we can chat a little bit. Yeah, that would be good. I know we've had Nolan on the podcast before and I have an interview set up for you with another market urbanism writer in several weeks, Emily Washington, who had written an interesting article about affordable housing. Um, Love so it. they're, uh, yeah, they're good folks. So let me ask you, there was another article. Okay. The, last week we ran the podcast and the uh, the other article about the church mm-hmm. in Worcester. I think I hope I'm God, Worcester. I hope I'm yeah, <laughs> I'm such a I'm such a Minnesotan. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
You know, I, we're, my wife and I were looking at summer vacation uh, stuff. I think we're going to go to to the Washington D.C. area. Nice. And um, yeah, and you know, Jefferson's home is called what? Uh, you... I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Monticello. Probably. Okay, yeah. But here in Minnesota, we have a city. Oh, spelled Monticello. exact same. Monticello, yes. right? And uh, it's so funny because. You know, you can go back. I mean, I've I'm able to uh, go back and forth between the two, but so many Minnesotans are not. Um, you know, we're going to see Jefferson's home, Monticello. No, hmm. <laughs> no. So um, the article about the church really got mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of reaction on Facebook, which is good. Yeah, I saw that. Um, but I also know that you guys made some updates or changes to it after I published it. I, I was kind of out of commission, obviously, all day Thursday and Friday because of the traveling and the, the talk. So give me – did you – do you, is there an update on that? Did, did I read right that someone else has purchased that building? And- yeah, it was just somebody had shared that on Facebook that it sounded like the the owners that you discussed in your article had in the last couple of weeks been in talks with a – unnamed un- anonymous buyer it wasn't confirmed i ha- i didn't check it this week um maybe there's been an update but um it sounded like it was possible that all was not lost but you know how these real estate deals go who who knows what'll yeah. actually happen yeah it was it, it was really um yeah we got that email uh I'll say in like february kind of informing us about this and you know, we we can't delve into every cause that everybody emails us on because, like, yeah. literally, we would do nothing else. Um, but this one was kind of this great intersection of someone who had started a blog, uh, was writing about it themselves, was gaining some local momentum, and uh, you know, I, I think was making a really compelling case on this building. So it was it was good to be able to share that with people, and and hopefully it it has an impact. I mean, what a what a tragedy if that building were torn down. It really seems senseless in many ways, especially for, did you ever hear the, it, the podcast I did with Joe uh, Minicozzi where he was talking about the work that he did? And I, I want to say it was at Hanover, but I might just have that in my, in my brain now. But the work he did uh, essentially helping this big insurance company invest money in real estate. Hmm. Was it from a while back? It's not ringing a bell for me. It was when we were together in uh, in California. So I want to say Santa Rosa. Yeah, I want to say it was like fourteen months ago. ago. Yeah, 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 I don't remember that one. But Joe just describes. It it was after we went and watched the Big Short together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you know, you've got Joe sitting there describing how basically they would come in and say, like, we got to get rid of ten million dollars, you know, by the end of the week. Because mm-hmm. that's our allocation from this, you know, investment fund. And they would just go out and buy stuff. I mean, they would buy malls and, and strip malls and different, you know, di- basically like commercial properties all over because they had to get rid of this money. And um, just the mindlessness, you know, of it mm-hmm. and the, the, the lack of the lack of rigor and the lack of attention to detail. And, and to me, just like looking at this. It's it. I'm guessing with a big financial institution like the Hanover Group, you know, that that owns this, they are. It's probably like some department somewhere has this in their portfolio, and they have to move it, and they have to do something with it, and it's not really a, you know, a, a decision that I think anybody 
like in a PR department would make, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's not the department it's in. It's in this, you know, meat grinder kind of money mill where they've got to get the cash out and get it turning over. And this is, you know, in their printout, a non-performing asset. Right. Know? So, so move it. And it, it, it just shows you how, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not anti-capitalist in any way, but it, it shows you how when our markets get so far divorced from local decision-making that you just get these kind of crazy results. So on the topic of content, uh, before you went on your spring break, you were talking about the ASCE uh, infrastructure report card and said you might do some more on that on our website, uh, on the most recent report card. Is that still something you might do? You know, I, I've, I've come back. It's on the top of my list of things yeah. to write about. And I've come back to it like three times. And it's, it's almost like I have... <sighs> It's almost like I have no enthusiasm for doing it, you know? Mm -hmm. I realize, like, it's a tooth that needs to be pulled. Um, but I almost feel like there's no... Like, if, if you are inclined to think the ASCE is great, you don't really care that there, there's no rigor in their numbers, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's not... And so what I've been trying to find is a way to actually bring this forward and explain it to people that moves the conversation. Mm, because yeah, doesn't you know, just bash them. Well, you look at the work we did in Shreveport, uh, where I, you know, took that financial report and basically, well, I ripped it to shreds. I mean, I mm -hmm. basically like this is a fraud. Yeah. Um, it is not. It is purporting to say something, and it does not say. It is is not competently saying that. You know, the, this financial report is suggesting that this is a great investment when the reality is. This report, nothing in this report actually supports that conclusion. Mm -hmm. the, the ASCE stuff is the same thing. I mean, it's saying America's infrastructure is a D and here's why and here's how we you know, came up with that. And the, the thing that maybe makes the ASCE different is that I agree with them that you know, our infrastructure is not in great shape and is getting worse. Um, where I disagree with them is when they get into all this analysis of you know, this is how much it costs Americans every day. And so Americans should be willing to pay for this. And it's just, you know, two cups of coffee a day so that you can do this. And it's, it's the whole like propaganda arm of it mm -hmm. is so disingenuous. And, and what offends me is it's like so beneath the dignity of the civil engineering profession. I mean, I, I, I to me, it's like the, you know, it would, it would be like, you know, the, the American medical association out promoting more heart surgeries, um, <laughs> you know, just because they like heart surgeries, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, not that people need it or that it provides a benefit or that it's good, but like everybody should have heart surgery. And it's like, no, 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 stop it. Stop it. So I, I'm, I'm trying to find a way to do that again. Um, or, you know, get into it, uh, where I can, uh, help people help people understand the propaganda part of this mm -hmm. it's it's not you said you don't just want to bash the ASE actually I kind of do <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of I what what I think would be a good outcome of a of, of me writing for this is is I actually want people when they hear the American Society of Civil Engineers is to think yes there's a problem uh, but these people are you know part a big part of the problem mm 
Like the problem they're suggesting is actually like self-created by them and they're trying to benefit from the solution. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know the other nuance, the other difficult thing with writing about this is that, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're not just a voice in the wilderness. You run the risk of being like the kook in the wilderness, you know, <laughs> you, you know, the di- you, you get the difference. Uh, yeah. One of them is respected and lauded and the other people yeah. think it's crazy. There, there's such a, okay. I got a, I got asked a couple of weeks ago to be on CNBC to talk about infrastructure. It's really sad that I couldn't do it because we were, yeah. that was right in the middle of our summit. Oh yeah. Um, right. But this week I'm doing, uh, a, a, an interview with American public media with basically national public radio about mm-hmm. infrastructure. And the, you know, the background on that one is that they were searching for someone who could credibly, you know, call into question these massive infrastructure bills that are coming Mm -hmm. because everybody seems to be behind it. Well, you know, there's a certain aspect of that conversation that we have that puts you like on the kook fringe. And even though, you know, we're not the kook fringe. I mean, we're, we're not just like some radical crazy group throwing elbows and, and saying nutty things. When you buy into the notion that, and I've called it a religious belief, I've called it a cult. You mm-hmm. know, when you buy into the notion that all infrastructure spending is good, someone who comes along and calls that into question, unless you're willing to delve into it, you know, but if you're just going to get a 30 second soundbite, uh, it sounds like, it sounds kooky. It sounds nuts. Mm-hmm. So, how do we share this well, message? That's a maybe on whether we'll be hearing more about it. Yeah. That's a maybe on the American Society of Civil Engineers. Yeah. I, I do want to okay. do it. I'll, I'll tell you what is the, actually the thing on my list of things I want to write about that has me enthused. Um, but I need some, I need like some committed blocks of time to do it. Mm-hmm. Last fall, I wrote about the, uh, the, the Portland um, housing situation. Right. And, a lot of the, uh, you know, that was kind of controversial and we had a lot of back and forth and, and you know, I, I spent a number of articles responding to comments, yeah. um, which was good. It was a really good conversation. But of the people who thought that that was a compelling line of discussion, they said, well, okay, Chuck, um, explain to us what you mean by incremental. And that's been a kind of like the recurring thing that's come up is like, okay, you talk about incremental show us what this actually means. Like talk to us about that. And I would love to do that. I, I really think that we're at the, we're at the point in this conversation where we actually need a, a good, like four or five part series that goes through what we mean by incremental and how it actually would work in a, in a functioning place. Yeah. I would love to read that and yeah. or help you write it. Yeah. So I want to welcome our newest and uh, renewing members from the Strong Towns Movement, uh, Jason Duba of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Haley McCollum of Thomasville, Georgia, Brad Potter of Mankato, Minnesota, Zach Pritchard of McAllister, Oklahoma, David Schultz of Saginaw, Michigan, and Sam Stuckey of Portland, Oregon. And I want to say a special thank you to Jason Duba because he's the one who's helping to plan this whole Eau Claire event. And we've been, you know, communicating back and forth to help 
uh, set up the communications and he wrote a little piece for our site last week. And he said to me in, in one of his last emails, like, uh, I realize I'm, I'm not a member of Strong Towns, and I definitely should be. Um, and, and I had actually assumed this whole time that he was a member because, you know, if somebody's enthusiastic enough to bring Strong Towns to their town as he is, I, I figure he was probably a member. Um, but he wasn't, and he decided, uh, yeah, it's time for me to step up and join uh, and just make this uh, commitment and interest in Strong Towns official. So, Jason, thank you so much, and thank you to everyone else for your support. Yes, thank you. There's so many things that we need to do as a movement, and uh, you know, I, I think the more people who step up and become members, it really increases our capacity. It's it's really, I mean, you go back. Just I was chatting with John Reuter, our board member, um, and we were actually just looking back, and it, it's hard to believe that you know, two years ago, you were not with us. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. In fact, you started in September of 2015. Yeah, so I'm mean, um, only like now a year and a half. Yeah. Um, it feels like, you know, Kia and Max have been with us forever. Right. Um, yeah, I they, forget they, that they've they only been like, here for like four months. Yeah. Um, you, and I think a lot of that is because as we go along, we, you know, we reach the next step. We reach the next plateau and it's like, okay, here's like the thing we need to do next. And it becomes self-evident to us what, what that is. Mm-hmm. And then we find like the right person. But there's always this like, you know, you need a little bit more capacity. You need more support. You need more cash to make uh, this next step happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I look at how as we've gone from zero members to 350 members to 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 We've we, every time we've been able to turn around and say, okay, now here's what we're able to do more. Mm-hmm. And you know, right now the obsession that I have is that we need to reach more people. Um, you know, I think we're we're doing a, a much better job, like under the hood and behind the scenes, in getting mm-hmm. stuff out and getting it shared and and you know, moving people through the the pipeline in our conversation and and, and growing the movement. Um, but we have some key audiences that we need to tap into mm-hmm. and we need the resources to do that. And so, yeah, every time someone joins, uh, it just gets us that much closer. So yeah, if you really deeply care about growing this movement, um, let's get on board. Please do. We just found out today that mayor Mike McGinn is, and I call him mayor, the former mayor of Seattle, Mike McGinn is going to run for mayor again in Seattle. I had no idea. I was not privy to this. So I woke up today and, and found this out. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're, we're a 501c3. We're, we, we cannot and do not endorse any candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike has been involved with us for a long time and very active with us. So I, I don't think I'm going on a limb of saying he's a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fascinating thing about him, about Joseph Bray Ali, about other candidates that we see around the country who are stepping up to make change the more that our message is out there and expanding the dialogue, the more it makes room for people like them to actually be Strong Towns advocates at a high level. So that's, that's, that is what we are doing at its core, and that's where you know, our membership goes to support. Absolutely. Well, we have a bunch of great podcasts lined up for the next several weeks. I know there's been kind of a lull at the start of 2017, but um, I'm excited about the many interviews. And we've also have a, 
a conversation coming up between Chuck and Kia that I think will be fun. So, are yeah. we calling it a conversation or is it a slug? What? <laughs> you said you didn't even need me to mediate, so it better <laughs> not be a, an intense debate fight. Um, well, Kia and I, I think, have a, a mutual admiration for each other. So it, it will. I will. I mean, neither of us are very like abrasive people, so it will be. It will be yeah. good, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna chat, and uh, we have an item that we I think we disagree on, so we're gonna explore the nuances of that disagreement. Yes, and I think a lot of people will have an opinion and perspective on it as well. Yeah. So keep an ear out for new podcasts, and thanks everyone. Have a great week. Take care, everybody. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.